Isn't God good? And this morning, I get to preach to you this morning about this is a new day. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to Ezekiel chapter 36. And I've already asked Sister Rebecca if she, she did such a great job last Sunday. I didn't want to wear her out, but this coming Sunday, I want her to sing again. So she's going to sing for us again this coming Sunday morning. And that's going to be awesome. And we're just having a great time in the Lord, aren't we? Praise God, praise God. If you have your Bibles now, I'm going to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. And I'm going to read from verse 26. Would you follow along with me, please? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses. And I will call for the corn, and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. And for a few moments, the Lord wants to talk to us about this subject. This is a new day. Would you lift your voices, and would you shout unto God, Hallelujah! I praise the Lord. I bless your name. You are great. This is our day. This is our day. Hallelujah! God, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I didn't say anything, but uh, Sister Kim Kimball's mother passed away. And we certainly want to be in prayer for Sister Kim Kimball, okay? That God would be with her and her family. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. This is a new day. Now, I'm going to share with you some stories, some of which you may have heard. I care not one whit. But it is a story that needs to be told to serve the purpose of what God wants to say to you. The 1920s saw the first golden age of California football. As the Golden Bears went 50 straight games without a de defeat from 1920 to 1925, with a record of 46 wins and four ties. Roy Regals played center in the 1928 University of California football team. Regals led the Golden Bears in conference minutes, played that season, and he was voted onto the all-coast team. He was a good blocker, but his strength was playing what they call roving center on defense, similar to present-day middle linebacker. Cal Nibs, Cal's coach, Nibs Price, gave credit to Regals as he said, quote, the smartest player he ever coached. That year, California's Rose Bowl opponent was undefeated and had outscored its opponents 213 points to 40 after nine games. 
and it was nationally broadcast. It was January 1st, 1929. They faced Georgia Tech at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Midway through the second quarter, Regals, who played center on both defense and offense, and who had been playing a role similar to that of a defensive nose guard or nose tackle today, picked up a fumble by Georgia Tech. When Roy Regals picked up the fumble, he was only 30 yards from Georgia Tech's goal. Later, Regals told the Associated Press, he said, I was running toward the sidelines when I picked up the ball. I started to run to my left toward Tech's goal, and somebody shoved me, and I bounded into a tackler. I pivoted to get away, and I completely lost my bearings. Has anybody ever had that happen to you, where you completely lost your bearings? Oh, never mind. Regals was completely disoriented. He turned around, and he ran like the devil. He ran 69 yards in the wrong direction. His teammate and quarterback, Benny Lam, chased Regal, screaming, Stop! Stop! Benny Lam was known for his speed, and he finally caught up to Regal's at the California three-yard line. And tried to turn him back, but he was hit by a wave of Georgia Tech players, and they carried him to the first-yard line, the one-yard line. And so, after the game, or actually after that play, Regals was so distraught that the coach had to talk him into going back out on the field for the second half. And he said, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I, I've ruined myself. I've ruined the University of California. I couldn't face that crowd to save my life. He was so ashamed and embarrassed. He said, and I quote him, he said, I wanted a hole to open up in the ground so I could jump in it. He said, quote, you run the wrong way with a football in front of 60,000 people, and it's pretty hard to lie your way out of it. But Roy Regals had a good coach, and the coach responded by saying, Roy, get up, go back out there. The game's only half over. I know that's, that's a historical fact, but I, I feel the Holy Ghost saying to somebody, you got to get back up. The game's only half over right now. It doesn't matter what happened in the first half. What matters now is in the next half, which is the half that's going to see the coming of the Lord. The coach talked him into it, and he went out and played and turned in a stellar second-half performance. They still lost by one point. But the Georgia Tech center and the captain of the opposing team said, Regals was the best center I've ever played against all year. He's a battler, and he never quit. And he went on to become the team captain. During his senior year, earned All-American honors. Later, Regals would say about his blunder, listen, this is his quote, I gained true understanding of life 
from the Rose Bowl mistake. I learned you can bounce back from misfortune and view it as just something adverse that happened to you. And later, Regals was inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what's happened in the first half of the game. I'm looking at people who every one of you are a star in your own right. You have abilities and giftings that are unique to you. And God has called you. And you haven't been called home yet. You you haven't received your harp and your crown yet. And you got people that you know personally that are in the grandstands of heaven. Cheering you on saying, go, go, you can do this. I feel the Holy Ghost, not just that we read a scripture. I feel like somehow that it's prophetic for you today. I feel like you should receive what I'm going to say next as a prophetic word from the Lord for you personally. Are you ready? A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You haven't been able to do it on your own, but I'm going to put my spirit so that you can walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Listen to this. And you shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers. Now I know that prophecy is fulfilled in concentric circles. And Peter could say this is that. And 2,000 years later, I can say this is that. And neither one of us are lying. And I can tell you that to the Old Testament people of God, he said, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. But I realized this morning, as I was reading through this again, that God was speaking to people in this congregation and to me. And he's saying, I'm going to cause you to dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. What did God give to our fathers? These signs shall follow them that believe. That's the land that God gave to your fathers. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's the land that God gave to your fathers. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the land that God gave to your fathers. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Don't be afraid of COVID-19. Don't be afraid of earthquakes and wars and, and all kinds of things that are happening right now that are predicting the soon coming of Jesus. Lift up your heads and rejoice. Your redemption draweth nigh. And God says, I am giving you a new day. I am beginning a new day in your life. 
And I felt a fire that just hit me right down here. And it's going all the way through my body right now. The Holy Ghost is saying to somebody in this house, I don't care how good you've done. I don't care how bad you've done. I don't know what your past is. But I will tell you this, that the Holy Ghost is saying to you that are in this building and to those who are watching with us online, I am giving you the land that I gave to your fathers. Somebody just act like you believe it just for a moment. Just go ahead and say, oh God, you're doing it. Verse 29, I will also save you from all your uncleannesses. See, there's some situations that we just don't have the power to deal with. But God says, this is a new day. I will save you from all your uncleannesses. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to deliver you from that temptation. I'm going to deliver you from that evil. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. I believe that the Lord has shown me that God intends to bless his people like we've never been blessed between now and the rapture. Now you can sit there and say, well, if the Lord were to open windows of heaven, might that be so? And you will see it, but you will not participate in it. But I'm I'm asking for those of you who would have a little faith right now and say, you know what? God is causing an increase of corn. Hallelujah. He's increasing us physically and spiritually, financially, mentally, and emotionally. And you ought not to sit there and stare at me like some bump on a rug. I've come to understand something, that how I respond to the promise of God has a lot to do with me seeing the fulfillment of those promises. And, and sometimes uh, you got to, to walk around the walls before they fall. And, and sometimes uh, you got to try to stretch forth that withered hand before it's ever healed. And, and sometimes uh, you have to make an effort to get up and rise up and pick up your bed and walk. And, and sometimes uh, God says, go wash in the pool of Siloam before your eyes will see. But oh my God, the reaction that we give to God has a lot to do with the fulfillment of His promise. I feel such a heavy anointing. I wonder is anybody that would just recognize God right now. Give God a salute of praise. Give God some kind of indication that you believe Him. If the man with the withered hand said, how silly, I've been trying to stretch this out for years and you tell me to stretch forth my hand. If the layman had said, how stupid, I've been trying to get out of this bed for years. If the little woman had said, I'm not getting up off this bed. If he loves me, he'll come into my house, lay his hand on my head right where I'm laying in this bed. But each one of these people responded with faith and God said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Is there anybody right now that would just reach out in faith and say, you know what? 2002 is going to be a much better year than 2001. 2002, I'm coming alive. 2002, I'm possessing the land that God gave to my fathers. 
I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You know what? We have to rise up. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You have to be willing to rise up and take the rod of God in your hand. People who sit back and wait for the kingdom of God will never reach it. For the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it. People who sit back and say, oh, when I feel it, you'll see me get up and really dance a happy dance when I feel it. They don't know that the things of God usually come by faith first and feeling second. They don't understand that when you don't feel it, you still believe it and you express your faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a mountain you can't get over? Is there, is there a mountain you haven't been able to tunnel through? Is there a river that you have found uncrossable? Is there a health situation that's hung on in spite of your many prayers? Is there weaknesses and frailties of your flesh that you have sorrowed over in spite of many times asking God to help you and forgive you? I want you to rise to your feet right now and begin to say, God, this is a new day. This is a new day. This is a new day. I will possess the land that God gave to my fathers. You may be seated. All throughout our land today, there will be churches that will assemble. They will give God a nod. They will give God their assent. They will sit there and they will wait for the promise of the Father. And they'll keep waiting and they'll keep waiting and they'll keep waiting. And days will turn to weeks and weeks will turn to months and months will turn to years. And then they'll die and go to the reward but never see the promises that God had intended for them to see. But some of us have kids that are not saved where they should be today. Some of us have loved ones and we can't afford just to wait and wait and wait and wait we are a people that God is speaking to now and say, now arise, arise, arise. Don't wait till you feel it. Begin to praise God. The feelings will come later, but right now we possess the promise. How many can think of at least one miracle that you need for yourself or for a family member? Today's the day. This is a new day. This is a new day. I stand in the pulpit in this church today, hallelujah, representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, this is a new day. This is a new day. I don't care how bad you failed yesterday. I don't care how many times you messed up the day before. It doesn't matter to me how long your trial has been ongoing. All I want to tell you is that the Lord told me to come and tell you that today, this is a new day. Sickness, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. Sorrow and shame, emotional instability, all that stuff has to leave right now because this is a new day. Yes, 
the word of the Lord has come to us today. You're going to be able to reach souls for Jesus Christ like you've never reached them before. This church is going to prosper like it's never been prospered before. We're going to see God do things that we've dreamed about and prayed about. And God is ready to do signs and wonders. As a matter of fact, he already promised us that he would multiply his signs and wonders. Matter of fact, he said to Moses, see, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. God, turn our whimpers into war cries. Turn our doubts into deliverance. Turn our weaknesses into strength. For God said, I will cause you. I couldn't do this by myself, but I will cause you to possess the land that I gave to your fathers. The word of the Lord that I have just read is for someone right now, right here. This is not just a reading of the scripture. It is for you here in the building and online who have made serious blunders. But in your heart, you desire to be what God called you to be. You desire it more than anything in the world. I believe I'm talking to somebody right now. But you need a miracle from God to be able to make the changes that you need to make. You can't do it on your own. You've tried, and it just doesn't work. You've got to have God to help you. You've tried in the past and fallen short of what you desire to do for God. But God says to someone, under the sound of my voice, I will give you a new heart. I will give you new and right desires. I will put a new spirit within you. I will do it. I will take out your stony heart that is so vulnerable to sin. And I, and I will give you a new heart. And the Lord says, I will put my spirit within you and, and I will enable you. Listen, I will enable you to fully obey and do whatever I command you. And you shall live and be in my blessing. You shall live in my blessing and you shall be my child and I will be your God. Behold, behold, now I will cleanse away your sins, and I will not let you fall short of the things of the things you need. Goodbye, despair. Goodbye, two thousand twenty-one. Goodbye, depression. You never were my friend. Goodbye, doubt and fear and angst. Goodbye to all my failures and my shortcomings. For thus saith the Lord unto someone in this building, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit.
I would not be surprised if the rapture was to take place in the next 60 seconds. That's how strong I feel the presence of God in this house. God didn't make a mistake when he called you. Neither is he confused, and neither has he changed his mind. You might have got hit like Roy Regal's and turned and started for a short time running down the wrong way. And you might have been called wrong way Regal's. But God allowed something to happen, and you thought it was terrible when you got tackled. You said, oh my God, the devil's fighting me. No, that was the love of God turning you around. I've found that sometimes God has to do things to get my attention. That I just get going along and I get so busy in my ways and, and way leads on to way and one yard leads to another and one mile leads to another and, and God says, I'm going to have to wake him up. And all of a sudden, I find myself on my face before God, saying, oh, God, help me. And God said, you know why I let that happen, son? I loved you. I don't know if you remember this story. I told this story many years ago. It happened to a man that I personally know. Him and his wife uh, were at the University of Texas in Austin, They'd gone on a very hot summer day to pick up her check. They were walking arm in arm down the sidewalk at the University of Austin when suddenly his wife slumped to the hot pavement. He thought, what in the world? And when he bent down, then he heard the sharp report of a sniper's rifle. And he felt the burn in his leg. And he also was hit little wall about this high was close by. His wife had lost consciousness. He dragged her behind that wall. And then the sniper opened up on my friend's foot that was sticking up behind the wall. And since that leg had been hit and he had no control over that leg, he reached down and he grabbed that leg with both of his hands and he pulled it up so that the foot was not showing beyond the wall. It was one of those hot Texas days and unless you've been to Texas in the summer you can't appreciate the fact that you can literally fry an egg on the black asphalt. And they were laying there behind that wall and his unsaved dad was sitting at home watching the television and all of a sudden the newscaster came on. We, we come with an emergency announcement. There has been a, a sniper attack at the University of Austin, Texas and we're warning people stay away. There is an active shooter. That old man was sitting there watching that te television and all of a sudden, as a parent will know, he knew. He said, my God, my son's over there. He jumped in his old pickup truck and he drove over to the University of Texas. And he ran zigzagging. I don't know how he found him, but he found his boy and he found 
his daughter-in-law. They were laying behind that wall. He looked at them and he said, now, kids, he said, dad will be back. I'm going to go get some guys with a stretcher now. Adrian, don't you go to sleep, son. You take care of your wife. I'll be right back. And when he ran out from behind that wall, that sniper began to take shots at him, but he was zigging and zagging, and he was running, and God was protecting that old man. He got to the ambulance. He said, I need a stretcher. I got a boy and a daughter-in-law that's, that's down. They picked up the stretcher, and he led the way. And when they got to that last opening, that sniper opened up on all three of them. Miraculously, none were hit. He said, son, you got to stay awake now. I'm going to take your wife first. She appeared to be the most seriously wounded, and she was unconscious. They put the lady, sister, brother Adrian's wife, Littlefield, I believe, was the last name. And when they came out from behind that wall, that sniper opened up, and again, he missed them. They ran, put her into the ambulance, grabbed another stretcher, came back for him, ran through another hail of bullets, put him on the stretcher, and when they come to the end of that short wall, they're hunkered down, and the corpsman laid the stretcher down. They looked at that dad, and they said, Sir, we're not running out there again. Dad looked down at his boy. He fished in his pocket. And he found a little pocket knife he had. He pulled it out and he opened it up. He said, if you don't take my boy, there'll be two more of you laying here. The guy saw that he was serious. They grabbed that stretcher. And they took off running, made it back to the amp to the ambulance, and this time the second ambulance took off, and this time with Adrian and his dad sitting beside the stretcher in the ambulance. They told the dad, they said, Now, if he goes to sleep, he may never wake up, so you keep him awake. We're getting there as fast as we can. That old man sat there beside his boy. And his boy, was, his eyes would start to roll back in his head and he'd smack him and say, son, you got you to stay awake, son. Pretty soon that wasn't doing it and he had to hit him a little harder. Son, you got to stay awake. I, I can't let you go to sleep. And by the time they got to the hospital, that old man was slapping him so head that his head would roll, so hard his head would roll. And he was screaming, you can't go to sleep. I won't let you go to sleep. When they got to the hospital, they had two lines, one for the terminal, one for those who had hope. And the person who was in charge of making that decision started to point him to the line of the terminal. But that old man walking beside that stretcher, slapping the boy and saying, boy, you got to stay awake. you got to stay awake. Daddy can't let you go to sleep. I've got to keep you awake. And, and, and the boy's eyes would open again. He put him in the line for those who would receive immediate assistance. I have to stop this story just for a second to tell you. Some of you have gotten a slap lately. Somewhere along the line, it was hard enough it made your head roll. But let me tell you what, that is not the devil. That is God loving you. That is God saying, 
turn around. Wake up. I can't let you go to sleep. If I let you go to sleep, you'll never wake up. I've got to keep you awake. That is the love of God. Long story short, Adrian Littlefield did survive. They put him into a room, and he was doing well, except for one problem. The sniper bullet had severed a nerve that you need. Dr. Hansel would know probably which nerve that would be, but you can't walk without it. It severed it. And the doctor said, you'll never walk again. You'll always be in a wheelchair. I heard Adrian tell this story. He said, my dad was in the hospital room watching over me. There was nobody else in the room. He said, Dad, help me get up. His dad said, Son, no way. The nerve is severed. You can't get up. He said, Dad, help me get up. You see, Adrian Littlefield was an apostolic preacher. Dad, help me get up. He forced his dad to help him get up. He said, he got a hold of the rail and he got a hold of something and he took a step with his good leg and he said in the name of Jesus and got that leg to swing forward somehow and in the name of Jesus he said and his dad was standing beside him helping him and he made it to the bathroom sat down on the toilet Closed the door. The doctor came in. Dad just turned a little white. And he said, uh, the doctor said, where's the patient? His dad was so God, he said, I couldn't say anything. He said, I just pointed at the bathroom. Adrian was sitting on the toilet and he said, well, guess it's time for action. He pulls himself up. He said, in the name of Jesus. And he swung his good leg. He said, in the name of Jesus. And he swung his bad leg. In the name of Jesus, he swung his good leg. He stepped outside the door, and the doctor's eyes got as wide as silver dollars. And Adrian Littlefield was walking out on his own. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And when I heard this story, Adrian Littlefield was standing in the pulpit and he was preaching, you'd never know that that nerve had ever been severed. I am saying to somebody in this room today, please hear me. Please hear me. It's important that you hear me. This is a new day. Doesn't matter how impossible it has been in the past. It doesn't matter if it's medically impossible. Doesn't matter if it's financially impossible. Doesn't matter if it's socially impossible or spiritually impossible. This is a new day, and God is waiting for somebody today to say, All right, I receive it. I don't know if I feel it yet, but I receive it. I'm going to possess the land that God gave to my fathers.
Somebody's got somebody right now. You know somebody that you love very much, and they're in trouble, and they're in deep trouble, and you know it, and I know it. But you need to lift your hands right now and say, God, this is a new day. This is the day. This is the year. God is going to do... I'm tell, I feel like a, a supernatural, phenomenal miracle is about to take place in somebody's life and in somebody's family. Come on, somebody. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not asking if you feel it. Hey, you might feel it, but even if you don't feel it, receive it by faith. I command that mountain to be removed and cast into the sea in the name of His Majesty, Jesus Christ. Look, haven't we all stood somewhere along the road of life and said, if I'd known then what I know now, I'd never done that. Come on, let's just be real this morning. Isn't it a fact that every one of us somewhere along the road of life have said, if I'd known then what I know now, I never would have done what I did but the Holy Ghost says you can't turn the clock back, but you can wind it up again. You can't go back, but you can sure have a new day. You can wind it up again. And I'm telling somebody that what God has for you is completely different than what you've experienced in 2021. That God has something completely better, completely different, completely new. God has reshifted your focus. He might have allowed you to be slapped in the face. It wasn't because he didn't love you. It's because he does love you that he's waking you up and saying, now I'm calling you to fulfill the mission that I gave you. I feel it so strong. I feel like somebody right now, if they were just to acknowledge that God is speaking to them, that God would put that new heart and that new spirit and that new mind in them right now. Just acknowledging that God is speaking to you personally. Not just some vague, nebulous message that's going out over the airwaves, but God is speaking to you personally. See, sometimes we're slipping into a spiritual coma, and Father has to come and begin to slap us a little bit. I'm waking you up, honey. I'm wake. I've got to keep you awake. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, you look around and you say, oh, those other people, they don't have problems like I have. They don't have, they, they don't have the history I have. They don't have the situation... If you only knew, it's only by the grace of God that I'm standing here right now. I am a miracle of mercy. I should have fallen, my soul cast down, but mercy rewrote my life. And every person's in every individual's life, they're 
there comes various interchanges and intersections in life. And sometimes we take the left fork when we should have taken the right. And I don't know what to tell you except, and I know we don't like to do it, but the only thing we can do really to get it straight is to retrace our steps back to that junction. Because the further you go down that road when you sh should have taken the right fork and you took the left, the more out of kilter and out of tune and out of rhythm your life becomes. It will absolutely destroy you and it will destroy your loved ones. But here's the promise from God. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The very thing that the devil said you can't do, you don't want, is the only thing that will set you and your family free. I'm getting ready to close, but you ever notice the, the men who followed David? Do you, do, you, do you know where they came from? Uh, what would later be called David's mighty men? Do, do, do you understand their humble beginnings? Well, if you don't, here's a verse that will explain it to you. 1 Samuel 22, 2, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, David, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. The people who started out to follow David were not people that were known for success. They were people who were distressed and suffered from anxiety, sorrow, pain. Seemed like every one of them was in debt. Everyone was discontented about something, dissatisfied about something else, and disgruntled with life. It was a motley crew that gathered to David, mean, discontented, flat, broken, in debt. What in the world changed them? I would submit to you it was because they hung out with David. They fellowshiped with David. And their association with David changed them completely. One chapter later, mind you, just one chapter. The next time you read about this motley crew. And I'll just read part of the verse. It's the next chapter, chapter 23 and verse 8. Look, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Changed from debt-ridden, discouraged, disgruntled to the mighty men of David. And today you don't remember them as the motley crew. 
You don't remember them as in distress and in debt and discontented. You don't remember their mistakes. No, they fellowshiped and associated with David. And and now we remember them as David's mighty men. From mean to mighty. From discontented to contented. From whiners to winners. From defeat to great deeds of heroism. Why? Because they fellowship with David. And oh my God, isn't it true that many times in the scripture they would say, like the, like the blind man said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Come on, if you fellowship with Jesus, it's going to change the whole tenor of your life. And I'm telling you, it's not someday, it's not somewhere, it's not down the road, it's not 10 years from now. I do not want to stand beside your coffin and say what might have been, but I'll tell you what is happening. God is calling you and saying, today is a new day. This is a whole new day. The past is gone. The future's in front of you. And this is a new day. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. One of the greatest examples of persistence in our American history book is Abraham Lincoln. If you want to look at somebody who wouldn't quit, look at his story. And I'm not going to go into all the things that he did, failures and such, except to tell you that he was born in poverty, faced with defeat throughout his life, lost eight elections, failed in business twice, and suffered a nervous breakdown. He could have quit many times, but he didn't He became one of the greatest presidents in the history of our nation. Why? Because he was a man who refused to give up. It's a new day. Would you rise with me, please? My God, I have felt the anointing just sweep through here several times during this message. I am, no, I'll rephrase, the Holy Ghost is making a direct promise to you. This is a new day. Don't look behind you. Don't keep beating yourself with condemnation. Don't keep looking back and saying, oh, wish I had done this or I wish I had done that. Knock it off. This is a new day. Either the blood of Jesus washes all sin, or it doesn't wash any sin. The blood of Jesus either cleanses from all iniquity, or it doesn't cleanse from any iniquity. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God called you, however many years or months ago it was, His will has not changed. 
He didn't say, I called you. Oh my God, I forgot. I forgot. You did this or you did that. I, I made a huge mistake calling you because look, you got this problem or, or you did this or you did that. No, no. God calls you. And when he calls you, he said, Jeremiah, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. And I called you to be a prophet. I don't care how bad you failed. What I want to know is now is, is there anybody here willing to get up? I don't care how long it's gone on. All I want to know is, is there anybody here that's willing to say, this is a new day. I hear the call of God. And like Abraham of old, I will follow. I hear the call of God and like Enoch, I'm going to walk with God and I will not be for God will take me. He will translate me at some point. I will walk with God. I'll build that ark. Folks, this is not just a sermon. This is a message from God for somebody. Can you awaken? Papa, Papa, don't have to slap me anymore. I hear you loud and clear. I'm waking up. It's a new day. It's a new day. Who will receive this? Is there anyone that would receive this today? Could it be that others are counting on you? That your mission has not been fulfilled yet? That the job is incomplete? There are souls outside the ark waiting for deliverance and it's your hand that will lift them from the water. <sighs> Boy, you feel that? There was a preacher many years ago moved into a new town to take a pastorate. One of the first stops he made was at a barber shop. He walked in, sat down in the barber's chair. The barber put the robe around him and started cutting his hair. And it was brand new. He'd never been in the town, never been in this barber shop. And the barber said, Preacher, do you know who I am? The preacher looked at the barber and he said, nah. Well, you seem familiar, but I can't quite place you. He said, well, if you don't know, why don't you tell me why I should know you? Nope. If you don't know me, I'm not telling you, but you should never have forgotten me. Finally, the day came and the preacher was called to a different town to pastor a different church and he was resigning. Him and the barber had become good friends and he walked into the barber shop and said, John, I'll be leaving this week. For a new town, I'll be taking another church, and I won't be here anymore, and I'd really like for you to tell me why I'm supposed to remember you. He said, okay, preacher, I'll tell you now that you're leaving town. With that, he rolled up his arm sleeve. He looked at that preacher. He said, did you serve in the United States Navy? He said, yes, sir. 
This has been many years ago. Were you in the Battle of Midway? I was. Were you on and named a certain ship? He said, I was. Did your ship get torpedoed? Did it go down? It did. He said, Preacher, you see this hand? This is the hand that pulled you out of the water. And you should never have forgotten me. I'm preaching to somebody right now with a heart of love. The greatest revival that God's people has ever seen begins this year. Is there anybody? Is there anybody that would say, Lord, it's a new day. I'm in. It's a new day. It's a new day. You are going to give me the power to do what you've called me to do. You're going to give me a new heart, a new spirit. You're going to give me the strength to do what I've got to do. I won't do this by my strength. I'll do this by your strength. And I'm still waiting for somebody to rise and walk to the front and say, God, it's a new day. I recognize it. I'm waiting for a saint of God. I'm waiting for anybody that wants to, to walk to the front and say, this year is going to be a better year than anything I've ever experienced in my life. Lord God Almighty, I'm believing you. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. And God is going to give me the land that he gave to my fathers. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. It's like the Father wants you to come more than you want to come. He loves you more than you ever thought about it. And right now he's saying, hey, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. Now let's lift our voices, everybody throughout the building. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Who will receive this who will receive this message? Say, Lord, I will receive this message. I receive it now in the name of Jesus. It's a new day, and I receive it in Jesus' name. You're giving me a new heart and a new spirit. You're giving me all things new. Hallelujah. Lord, today, today is the beginning of a brand new life, and I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it. Oh, I, I, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep praising God for a moment. Wherever you are in this building, you just start talking to God. You know God's talking to us, and, and let's just give God the praise for a few moments. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel that Holy Ghost burn right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you never make mistakes. And Lord, you called us, and now here we are. Here we are, Jesus. Here we are. Here we are. Hallelujah. Here we are. Halalamoku Ramasata. Ramonomosanda Ladadamokoto. Rimandadamaha. Let the fruit of the Spirit, let the gifts of the Spirit, let the work of the Spirit be accomplished in our lives. Oh Lord, let everything you ever wanted us to have be ours this year. Oh God, the things that you gave to our fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Peter, James, and John, our spiritual fathers, give us that land as you said you would. Do like you said. 
our children rise up to know the Lord. Wow. You better start thinking about it because this building is going to be small compared to the next building that's going to be right there. And God is ready to do a, a major work. You are ready to be in on the ground floor. God is doing a mighty major work in our city and in the Kennebec Valley. Many people who do not know the message of Acts 2.38 are going to come to know the Lord like you folks that found it in the Kennebec River, August the 11th. And for all those who have been baptized since, my God, it's a miracle. And it's just beginning. It's just beginning. I'm believing and receiving what Jesus said. Oh, hallelujah. I couldn't do this on my own, but through the power of the Holy Ghost, I can do it. I couldn't do this on my own, but through the power of the Holy Ghost, I can do this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost. Miracles and healings. Hallelujah. Salvation, deliverance. Thank you, Jesus. All because of Calvary. Hallelujah.